This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is your host, Todd DeVoe, with uh, our co-host and special friend, Dan Scott. <laughs> Dan's my special friend. That could, be, that could be taken the wrong way sometimes, but anyway. Um, so speaking of comedy and whatnot, I, I, today is a special day. I'm really excited because one of the things that we have a problem with all the time in emergency management is we take the after-action reports and whatnot, and it says... We always put the first thing down there, right? We could just write it down. It should just be emboldened all the time. It's communications. Why do we have a problem with communications? And what does that mean, right? Does it mean it's a technical issue? Is it, is it just writing issue? Is it, is, what does communications mean? So I started thinking about the idea of comics, right? I love comedy. Uh, you know, if you think about like George Carlin or Dave Chappelle, and those guys, they're able to, to tell stories that are funny, but they tell a story that, that communicates an issue. And what they do is they're able to connect with their audience very quickly because if not, you've all gone and seen the bad comic, right? The one's like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. You know, so they have a few minutes to get up there, connect with the audience and be able to tell their story to make people laugh. And so I said, you know, I need to get somebody on who is a professional. And I've, well, I was introduced to uh, Kareth and uh, she agreed to come on the show. And, and this is really kind of cool. She does some stuff on diversity and, and, and training um, on that aspect of things. And, and, and it was just, it just is a perfect fit. And so we had a good conversation. And so she agreed to come on the show. And I'm so happy to have uh, Kareth. Welcome to EM Week. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome oh, aboard. My, my pleasure for sure. So, you know, we talked before. Um, before the show regarding like what it means to communicate um, with people. And as a comic, and as a, you, you have to really make that relationship quickly. And, and I, I want to, I want to put this in the, in the tense, the, the, the box, if you will, of, of emergency management and, and communications and what we have to do to the people and also to our staff and, and crew that are down, down range. And, so that's why you're here, and I just want to hear what is the what is the essence of communication? Well, the essence of communication is having an effective way to exchange ideas and um and and make sure that there's comprehension, right? Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that the ideas are going to be accepted and liked by everyone, but everyone knows what's being said, right? And oftentimes with communication, especially in the day and age we're in right now, with all this division, all this polarization, all this politicization of things, is people are saying things, and because everybody's coming from their own perspective, right, um, they're being misinterpreted and causing more, um, you know, just uh, unraveling of, of, of society, really. <laughs> uh, but it's really critical for, for where you all are, as you know, people who are dealing with emergency situations to make sure that the message is loud and clear. But again, because everyone is coming 
from their own, like I had a theater professor say, you know, we're all the, we're all the stars in our own personal play, right? We're mm-hmm. all the, we all have these starring roles. And so everyone else is just actors around us, right? But it's our life, our script, our role. Um, and that's where each and every one of us is, truthfully. And that's not a bad thing, but having an awareness around it is what's critical, right? Well, I mean, you, 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 you kind of, you, you nailed it as far as like having, everybody's got their own perspective, right? And when it comes to communi- communication in general, it's got to be a two way, uh, a two way street, but you, you know, you got to open up and be willing to accept the message that's coming and interact. And we find that's what we find is, is sometimes the most difficult, right? You have your own, you have your own set that, you know, this is my belief. This is what I think. This is how I think it should be. And you don't want to open up enough to have interaction. So as a stand-up uh, comic, how do you, because it's a lot of one way, right? You're, you're, you're listening for the laptop. There's a lot of one way to get that communication across. So how do you feel that that's the, um, how do you do go about uh, making that happen? Well, Dan, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, it's very much about a reciprocal relationship, right? Giving and taking. And I give when I use my words, when I get on stage, introduce myself, uh, open up and, and be vulnerable and the audience gives back with their receptivity, with their laughter, with their paying attention, not looking at their phone, not talking to somebody else, not, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's this, this symbiotic relationship of give and take that has to happen, not just on stage for performers, but in a conversation with two individuals or more where we actually actively listen. You know, that's one of the things I talk about in the I actually call the work I do inversity work because I think diversity already has division in the root of the word and the way it's been done. We we're divvying up people into categories. Well, you're only diverse if you're this, you're only diverse if you're that you're not diverse. If you're a straight white cisgender guy, well, okay. Who wants to be victimized or vilified, right? So we have to change the way we have these conversations. And again, I don't even think the work that I do should be, under the umbrella of diversity and inclusion, because it's really about communication. How do we communicate well and effectively with one another? Because all the stuff we think separates and divides us is surface stuff. Um, but like you were saying, Dan, you know, coming from a place of, of connecting with each other and, and getting to have that that exchange and have it be a successful one, it's a, it's a two-way street. Um, it's being open enough to being to hearing what the other person is saying without necessarily going down your own way of interpreting it, but just listening and asking questions if you don't know, right? But then also just waiting to, to let it marinate and interpret. And, you know, now oftentimes in an emergency, you don't may not have time to be like, oh, let me go back and think about that for a minute, right? You've got to act now. But hopefully it comes from this idea of like, wait a second, this is an expert who knows what they're saying and doing. So the expert has to be effective in the way that they communicate the message. Yeah, Eric. Uh, I wanna, uh, can I touch on? I want to touch on something real quick. That's the first time I've ever heard it put that way. When you put in, in, um, inversity versus diversity, um, I think that in, I, I love hearing that. I think that's uh, an amazing way to view it. And I just wanted to touch on that real quick and acknowledge that that I think that's that's a beautiful way of looking at that. Thank you. And I agree with you there too, uh, Dan and Kareth. So Eric. Uh, Albert, she puts up on in the in LinkedIn here. He goes, the term communication means so many things to each person. It's a subject that will always appear in the ARs because of this. And and Eric, it's kind of funny because we were actually talking about this yesterday as well. Um, and and it's a personal discussion, social media message, technology, etc. And then we get into how uh, people receive and perceive the message and the information that they are receiving. And I think and Eric, I think you, you, you the last part right there as well um, is you hit it right in the head is. 
is people are definitely listening to things within within their filter, right? And you know, and I think that's part of the reason what we're having here. Let's I mean let's 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 call it out. You know, the communications debacle that we're having um, with uh, with public health, right? It, it's it's basically because the messages are mixed, right? So it starts off with saying, hey. Don't wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. And then now we're telling people, and even if those science changes and ideas changes, it's that perception that there's no consistency in, 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 the, in that what's going on. And so people start filtering out the stuff. And then you add in like the social media where there's misinformation being put up. So there's a lot of things that we're fighting specifically um, when we're trying to communicate with, with people during, during a crisis. And I mean, and, and that was like a long way around to this quick question. Gareth, how, how do we get through that, the misinformation? How do we gain that trust again with the public when we're trying to put information out? Well, I think the word that you really just like stood out for me and what you just said is trust. You know, we are in a day and age of, of misinformation and of people not trusting one another. Um, and they don't know who to trust because they're being fed. You, you turn on one TV station, you're getting one message. You turn on another TV station, you're getting another. What's real? You know, how do we decipher what's real? And this is where critical thinking has to come into play, which unfortunately is something that's on the decline um, and why a lot of people are homeschooling, <laughs> myself included. Um, but you know, the idea behind critical thinking is to make an assessment, right, of, of what is being said, who's saying it, why are they saying it, right? Maybe even a little following the money trail behind certain things sometimes, um, but also like what, what is working? Like what's in the best interest for people? You know, I happen to be married to an Australian and, um, we obviously can't go there now to visit <clears throat> our family, but they are open. That country is open. They in New Zealand are living their best lives because they followed a certain protocol that was kind of set across the board for everybody to, um, to, to, uh, you know, adhere to. And while it did seem really maybe imposing initially, like, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that, but we're actually really trying to do this for your best interest. Um, you know, it they now are have this freedom to have their businesses open, to do what they want to do, to go to concerts and sporting events and and socialize with one another. And unfortunately we we are we're very far from that. So, you know, I'm not here to criticize anyone, but again, you know, communication is so key mm -hmm. um, and having a, a unified message. And I'm not saying don't have people that don't agree, right. right? But as far as having like a message where across the board, okay, this is what we're seeing needs to be done, um, you know, and, and asking people to, to adhere to it, hopefully for the greater good. So what are Oh, Yo, go ahead. Just, just real quick. So what are the lessons that we can take from humorists and comedians? Uh, and, you know, and I'm not saying stand up and, you know, we don't have to become stand up comedians and tell jokes, right? But we have to connect with our audience. And, and when I say our audience, it's those who we're communicating with. But what lessons can we learn directly from what comics do to connect with their audiences when they're at stand up? Sure. Well, my motto is if you can laugh at it, you can get through it. And I think being able to have a sense of humor, keep your sense of humor, 
not be dissuaded to just be offended by something someone says all the time. Like I'm so done with cancel culture. I'm so done with people shouting other people down and saying, you know, you can't speak on my campus. You can't say that. Well, it's America still. We still have free speech, right? I may not like what you say. I may not agree with it, but you have the right to say it. So using humor though, is an incredible tool, as I said earlier, um, we were having a private conversation, but it's a great way to connect with people because when you are laughing, like physiological things actually happen in your brain and in your body. And these walls of, 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 you know, people who are ready to be on the offensive about something or the defensive, they, they kind of break down. So you can actually have this exchange of ideas without somebody being ready to pounce. Um, you know, that's, that's when you're like, okay, wait a second. This is a good guy. This is, you know, we were talking about Dan, you know, having this like really strong presence. That is like, you know, his his outer shell isn't necessarily what's the, going on on the inside. Like he's this great, really warm guy. <laughs> but people aren't going to see that immediately if they just see him walking across the street, you know, looking big and burly. Um, and so it's taking that time to just engage with somebody without prejudging them, without the stereotypes, without the, you know, we all have unconscious bias. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not here to knock anybody down for that. I have it. But the idea is putting it in check, right? Setting it aside and being like, you know what? Let me take a moment to just hear what this person has to say, to engage with them and give them a shot. Because we don't know who anybody is till we get to do that. And I mean, that and that kind of leads to what I, leads to what I was going to kind of bring up is that it, communication in general is not easy. I mean, it, it, it takes work and we have professionals who still mess up. I mean, it's just, we have, you know, it is a, it, it takes a professional individual to know how, what kind of message to put out, how to interpret the messages coming in, how to answer questions, engage people, um, and how to also um, craft it in words and on paper and social media. And everything's different. It's, and, it, and it's a way it's interpreted. As we say, a lot of this is in, is per, um, perception, right? And, and we have a, a, a very... And it's just in, in us to want to jump to a conclusion based on our, first, I mean, you ever get that email and you're looking like, what did they just say to me? And it's not what they meant at all, you know, right. and you just have to look back at it. Or did you write something to somebody and they took it completely out of proportion because of the tone they read in whatever you, you know, you, you put through. It's a, it's a, it is important for us to understand it. So you, I mean, you're as a, you got to read a room, you have to understand. So in your, in your pursuit, you got to maybe change the way you are putting your, your your punchline across or your joke across or the 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 audience in which you're playing to uh, giving them a little bit more time to understand what you just said right so how do we do that more in in um without jumping to conclusions because we do that a lot you know we get that that especially in with the emergency management and and if we're on scene somewhere and we're we're communicating a lot in writing and they read that and they may not understand that and i feel like a, a lot of covid right now the mixed messaging is that it's so different because we're not hearing it from people's voice. That so how do you do that when you're exactly. standing up in front of people? Yeah. You're so right on. You're so right on. Cause we, again, this goes back to perception, right? Now we are not responsible for how, for how other people receive our information. We're only responsible for how we deliver it. So having that consciousness, right. And that awareness and maybe what I, I call conscious empathy when I teach my courses, right, on adversity, like putting yourself in someone else's shoes, not just that, like that's that's empathy, right? Conscious empathy is empathy on steroids. When you ask, what is it like for them and how how might that feel, right? So it's, it's taking it a little bit deeper. Um, it takes more energy, as you said. It does take some time. It takes some compassion. 
It takes courage. It takes heart. And a lot of times, you know, when we're really trying to talk to someone, you know, we think we just are trying to get through here. But a lot of times it's about getting through here, which there is actually scientific based evidence that the heart has its own mind. The heart is not just this organ that pumps blood through us. The heart actually has over 40,000 neuroreceptors. It can think independently. It can reason independently. And I know like for a lot of people that I'm all about love and, you know, you just have to go with the love and that seems really foo-foo and out there and so esoteric, but there's actual science behind the fact that we have a little brain right here too. So when you come from the heart, right, which is what I try to do with every audience I speak to, whether it's a corporate audience or a set of college students or even my family, you know, I try not to just make it about a mental connection, right? And that's really what this is about. Like true communication is about connecting with another individual. And when I say love, I don't mean like romantic, like I'm going to take you out on a date and, you know, you're never going to forget the night we had. Um, (laughs) I mean, love, like, you know, we're in this together, love, like as human beings here with other human beings, we need to like recognize all the stuff that we want to like be angry about and get all up in arms about, like in the, in the scheme of things, is it really that important? Like what's critical? You know, I, I I shared with Todd, I was in New York city for nine 11 and um, I was working in Midtown at the time and, you know, saw everything live and uh, walked home that day. And that was the longest Tuesday of my life. And that Wednesday, we just kind of hold up. But that Thursday, I found myself with some friends at the Jacob Javits Center on 11th and 34th Street. And I, we were there with thousands upon thousands of New Yorkers, people there with tools and equipment and water and sandwiches and first aid kit, like anything they thought they could bring that might be of assistance to help other people. And that's it. And for that moment, and for like two weeks, there was no ethnicity, there was no race, there was no age, there was no gender or or religion. It was people there to help people. And we can get to that place again. You know, my my daughter's godparents in Houston, when we they had the terrible the the hurricane um a couple of years back, they had to get rescued by canoe from their front door. I assure you, the people pulling them up into their boat did not ask who did you vote for. You know, it's that connection that we need to remember and just have a consciousness of on a more regular basis. Absolutely. <laughs> just yeah. Well, wait, we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit more about how we can really take a look at, put ourselves in the victim's seat. The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of medical or traumatic injuries often seen during austere conditions. Whether it is when you are on the outdoor adventure or your team has responded to a major crisis, the Outer Limit Supply Company provides practical, user-friendly first aid and trauma kits that anyone can use. If you enter EM Weekly at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your purchase. So go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. 
At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication, even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. So if you've been listening to the show for a little bit, you know that I love the VanQuest bags that, that are out there. And this they're one of our great sponsors. I just kind of want to show you this bag that I got. Look at here. It's it's a nice bag. It's really well put together. I love the color. You know, it doesn't look all tactical or tactical, if you will. Uh, and the inside, like I talked about, the fact that it has like this orange lining to where you can actually find things in the bag than when you're like trying to look through this dark bag. So that's why I use uh, the VanQuest bag. And if you go to VanQuest.com and you go to your checkout right now, and if you put EM5, the number five, weekly, and you put that in the checkout, you get an additional uh, discount on any discounts that they're doing for the Black Fridays or the Christmas holiday um, uh, discounts that they already have on there. So not only are you getting the that discount, you're getting the additional EM weekly discount. And, man, I'm telling you, it's well worth it. So <clears throat> before we uh, went on break, we're talking about putting ourselves into – uh, to other people's shoes or into their seats, if you will. And Eileen, she says here, talks about an idea that they did a study where they took away the name of the person or the image or anything like this and just put um, a message out. And people listened to it for the way it was written, not filtering it through who sent the message. And, I mean, I think that's part of the problem that we have too, right, is, is we take a look and say we don't like Donald Trump. And so you hear a message from him and you automatically discount it. Or you don't like Joe Biden, so now you're going to automatically, anything he says, you're going to not listen to it and discount it. How do we get to the point to where we can communicate with people as emergency managers, not political, I don't care about politics, right, in emergency management, right, how do we communicate with people and take away that that uh, distrust, if you will, or make it neutral? I mean, that's I think that's where we're, we're suffering right now. Well, I think one of the first steps for people to do is remember why you got into this job and this career path in the first place, because you wanted to help people. You didn't go in saying, I just want to help this specific person or somebody who comes from from this socioeconomic status or somebody who speaks this language. You got into it because in your heart of hearts, again, you wanted to to make the world a better place. You wanted to be of service, Right. And the idea is to be of service to to an, a fellow human being. And I think having that in the forefront of your mind, whenever you head out, like, why did I do this? Why am I here? And I think this goes across the board for everybody who's put in a stressful situation. Like sometimes you're dealing with a child that you made intentionally and you're like, oh yeah, I have to remember that I, I chose to do this. I wanted to be a mom. <laughs> I have to exercise everything in my, you know, my vault of, of compassion to, to be there for this person. And I think when you can communicate that, like, I'm here to help you. I don't care about anything else about you, but the fact that you need help and this is my job and this is what I chose to do. Um, and it's very easy for our bias and our filters to, to come into play. Like that's part of being a human being. I'm not going to like lamb blast anybody for that. But again, this goes back to creating an awareness, um, being just really cognizant about what you're there to do. Um, and, 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 you know, ha- you're, you're entitled to your opinion. Absolutely. Everybody, they're like belly buttons. Okay. Everybody's got an opinion. You can have your opinion, but to have a judgment that's where we fall into really dark, dangerous territory. 
you know, I had a, I called my comedy professor talk about, you know, a judgment versus an opinion. And when you have a judgment, what you're basically saying is everybody else should live exactly the same way I do. They should think the same way I do. And if they don't, they're wrong. I'm right. Well, that's a, that's a lot of instruction manuals that you're going to have to get out there to the rest of the world so that everybody's on the same page that you are. Um, and so, you know, allowing the space for, you know what, it's okay that somebody isn't doing the same, the way things the way I would or, or living their life the way I would. Um, but I'm still here to be of service because this is what I chose to do. And when you can communicate that, um, taking that judgment out of it, because another thing, when you're judging other people, what do you think is happening to you? Right. you you're being judged. What a weight that is off of your shoulders when you don't have to worry about what somebody else is thinking about you. You're just doing your own thing. Um, but as far as helping people, you know, being able to put yourself in a victim's shoes, like understanding that this person is probably scared. They're probably intimidated. Um, they likely, you know, are, are, are lost and confused. And you have the ability to bring calm, to bring a presence, to bring an authenticity and a hope that they might not otherwise have. And that's a really powerful position to be in and one that should be revered, not just by other people who are like, you guys are our heroes, but by you, like understanding the value that you are adding to the world because of what you do and how you come at what you do. I think, too, a lot of it is in, in which situation we are communicating with 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 what we do. It's we call it blue skies, gray skies. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do we communicate better? in the in the blue sky so in the gray sky things our communication is the the trust is what we're hopefully looking to build right and having that trust in an an emergency is easier because you see someone coming to help you so how do you but how do you build that trust uh in, in with communication in the blue sky when things aren't going crazy and you're not seeing that person come to your rescue and build that that trust between those who are trying to do what's best for you um, and the people that we are trying to reach. Right. Uh, well, I think this is applying some of the rules of, of adversity, right? And and the rules of, of adversity are, I want people to care, right? Conscious empathy, active listening, responsible reactions, environmental awareness. And I think the E is really what I want to focus on with this question, because environmental awareness, like who who are you consciously around in your personal life? Like who do you make a decision to be, and listen, birds of a feather flock together. Okay. That's not just a, a saying because it's a cute expression and it rhymes, but we like to be comfortable. That is our human nature by design. We like to be comfortable. And when we're ma- put in a situation that isn't comfortable, um, you know, it's, it's, it takes us into a space of, of being again on the offense or the defense. And, you know, this goes back to when we were cave people, right? When something was different or new, you know, it, back then it was, is this a physical threat, right? Like a, a saber-toothed tiger, tiger or a warring tribe. Now we, we, it's more, is this an emotional threat? Am I going to be put out of my comfort zone because I don't know what this person is like, how they're going to react to me? I don't agree with what they're doing, how they're living their life. Um, and we, we have to, that is work that we have to consciously set aside so that we can connect with people, on a deeper level, because you know, you would be surprised. Like, like uh, I think it was Eileen you said said when there uh, you know a statement gets put up or you know you're introduced to somebody. There's a great there's a great beer commercial, 
and I don't remember which company, it might've been Heineken. And they basically had two people, gave them an assignment of building a, a, a wood work project. And they just had to, you know, work with each other, have a beer, talk over it and, and, and figure it out. And they would just talk about life and kids and, you know, school or sports, not knowing anything else about the other person. And then like after the commercial, they found out there were completely opposite political sides of the spectrum. Mm. But that wasn't a factor because it didn't need to be. Right. And so what we have to take out of play is this idea that people were so different from each other um, because we actually do have more in common than we don't. We've unfortunately just been trained right from childhood, from the media, from especially social media to otherize people. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, it, it, it's not through any fault of our own, but it is our fault if we continue to, to play that game. Yeah, I mean, we we tend to be tribal anyway, right? And I mean, if you think about sports, and I mean, if you think in, here in California, we have the great rivalry between the, the Dodgers and the and the San Francisco Giants, and it gets to the point to where like people are fighting in the parking lot after or before the game because they're wearing a different uniform. But that's a whole other conversation we could have later. But just just kind of popped into my head, but. I want to move back into the the communication aspect of, of, of telling stories. And I was talking to my students the other day regarding, um, you know, how do we approach preparedness and community preparedness resilience? And how do we do it? Because right now we scare people. Like, oh, if you don't prepare for this, you know, this, this big disaster, you're going to starve to death and die, you know? But if you take a look at, like, say, Geico commercials or progressive commercials for insurance, they're telling people, hey, this is a serious thing. You need to have insurance for your vehicle because, you know, you could lose it. Or or the mayhem guy, I forget what what, uh, what insurance company he is. But they, they, they make insurance not scary necessarily. They make it kind of funny, and, and then you go, oh, yeah, I probably should get insurance because if that flood happens in my house, it would suck. You know, how, how do we change that tone from being – doom and gloom to, I don't say funny, but at least interesting. Well, listen, it, it takes, it takes creativity, right? It takes, like you said, kind of seeing the flip side of things. Um, I mean, when you think about how humor is used so effectively, I mean, I'm a kid of the eighties. I grew up on sitcoms like the Cosby show and cheers and all that and night court. And you know, some of the funniest episodes ever were the funeral episodes right? Now, what's funny about death? Absolutely nothing. But they found a way in Will and Grace. I I always think back to a Will and Grace episode that was like a funeral that was just hysterical. And and we all can relate to that because, you know, death is something that none of us are going to escape, right? It's affected every single one of us. So has trauma, right? So have emergencies in some way or another. But the idea isn't to terrorize people. I think, you know, Todd and I were talking about how, like, sometimes people get terrified about doing stuff and they turn into those goats that when they, you know, they, they scream and pass out. <laughs> we don't want to do that to people, but that is what people will do sometimes. And so they don't take any action. So the idea is to, you know, not just come from a place of authenticity, but a place of creativity, a place of like, hey, I, I want this to be relatable, for you so that you understand the consequences certainly are dire, but guess what? I'm going to help you figure out a way to get to this place so that this may not happen to you so that you can avoid this. 
so that we are in this together. And it's, you know, it's a matter of style, of course. Um, but I think it's really imperative, again, to to have a, a creative way to really approach things so that, again, across the board, everybody feels like, oh, OK, I can see this. It's not too intimidating. It's not too scary. Um, and, and there are certainly ways to do that, you know, because every single one of us has experienced something that's really kind of shaken us up or or, or thrown us off course. And I think coming from that place of remembrance and being like, okay, if this, if this had been taught to me this way, that would be, that would have been a little bit better. Maybe, you know, I can incorporate this story into it or this lesson. And humor can be find, found anywhere. I think I mentioned, you know, it's, it's like water. Like if there's a crack, we can get into it. We can bring humor into it. It's possible. Right. So Cara, now do you do uh, like workshops and stuff like that for, for this? I do. I do. I teach. Um, so I have it's that my, my company is called Inversity Solutions. I teach workshops. I have keynotes. Um, I do seminars. Um, I am like everywhere you want to be. I'm like, what is it? The Allstate or American Express? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do. I, I work with organizations. I work with corporations and colleges and universities. And I believe that like all of this should be done with humor and laughter and, you know, the, the best way to me to reach people is to to engage with them and leave people feeling connected and inspired, not scared or bad or forlorn. Um, even though we're talking about serious stuff like diversity, inclusion, like emergency uh, responses, um, you know, th- this is real life stuff like the real world's not going to stop. But how we how we tackle it, how we go about it, how we engage with each other. It doesn't have to be this daunting, awful, negative experience. So I see you have a book behind you. Tell me a little bit about the book. I do. So I wrote a book. It came out this uh, June of 2020 called You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy. And it actually happened because of uh, came to be a, a bit of a serious situation. My daughter was born on time, but very, very small. Uh, she was only four pounds, 10 ounces, and actually ended up losing almost a pound because she wasn't latching properly. And I went into a new motherhood tailspin and I blamed myself. And I was just like, you know, it's like that you got one job is to keep this person alive and your family miserably. And I had a friend say, listen, you know, you can be perfect. You can be happy. I choose happy. And I thought about it. I mean, like, you know, but heaven should have opened up and a chorus of angels should have sung. But I was just like, oh, what a nice thing to say. But that thought stayed with me for years, for years. You can be perfect. You can be happy. And I realized how much of my life I had spent trying to be perfect. The perfect daughter, the perfect student, the perfect friend, the perfect employee. Um, And and what was that costing me? Mm. It was costing me time. It certainly cost me money in certain circumstances. It cost me peace. And it cost me joy and happiness. And I realized that that was a message that the world needed to hear because I'm not the only person who's out there thinking that there is such a thing as perfect when the the reality is there isn't, Um, you know, but happiness is a choice. Now, the caveat is that happiness is not a constant. You're not supposed to be on all the time. Anybody who is is on drugs, uh, (laughs) prescription or otherwise, or they're delusional. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to not want to get out of bed for a weekend. Three weeks, you should call someone. But you know, understanding that, you know, life is a roller coaster, right? We ebb and we flow and that's where our happiness is too. So you enjoy the highs when they're there and you understand that the lows are temporary and you're going to get through it. But I call it getting back to the basics 
um, which is an acronym for for several of the lessons in the book. That Perfect or Happy is also a program that I take uh, as well to to organizations and corporations because everybody just needs to hear the message, like you know that we are we are all trying to just deal with life, especially you know the hand that 2020 has dealt us. And um, you know, thinking that you know if we're if we can just be perfect, everything will be okay. Well, guess what? There's no such thing. But there are certainly other ways to 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 work through things and to handle it and to to feel like you're you know you're keeping your head not just above water but you're actually you know you're treading water and you're not exhausting yourself well i think you do a good job at you know breaking down and showing um how we're all how we're more alike than how we are different and i think that's that's the big that and that ultimately in in what we do and what you do and what a lot of people should do is breaking down how we are more alike than we are different and how if we the differences that we do have do not have to be a reason to dislike or not associate with somebody Absolutely. um so uh, and and you i'm gonna i'm gonna buy your book so just so <laughs> you know that uh, so i appreciate you being on the show today i thank you for giving us your time uh, this morning um and and it's been a pleasure to hear how you do things. I hope we could uh, um, have you on the show again uh, um, soon to discuss uh, the similar topic on the bringing humor to, and we said we have weird humors, we, especially when we work in emergency and around death and dying and destruction, we have weird sense of humors and haven't been able to understand that it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And having others to, to uh, understand that we have to have our own coping mechanisms. So thank you very much for being on. And I'll turn it over to Todd. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. Kara, thank you so much for being being on the show. And please, everybody, check out our website. You know, um, I haven't seen the book yet, but I, I plan on buying it as well. And, um, you know, maybe we can discuss that. Have you back on, we'll discuss your book. Everybody, take, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, here, LinkedIn, wherever we're at. And uh, you guys have a safe, wonderful day. And uh, remember, as Mackenzie says, stay hydrated. <laughs>